Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always continuing our conference by conference preview series here on this Friday night. And today we are diving into the Atlantic Sun back for its uh, second year back in the men's lacrosse landscape. Robert Morris winning the conference title last season as the A-Sun had its first year back uh, since having lacrosse for about a year, I believe, back in 2014, believe it was the league back and bigger than ever with Lindenwood, Jacksonville, Queens, and Mercer all hopping on board, giving the A-Sun 10 teams in its Conference, Queens, Lindenwood, making that jump from Division Two to Division One, while Jacksonville and Mercer jump from the SoCon to the Atlantic Sun. Air Force Bellman, former SoCon members in the league as well, were members last season. Obviously, two teams that made the postseason in 2022 and looking to make some noise in 23. Before we get into our kind of team-by-team breakdown of this conference, I do want to mention first and foremost, like this uh, video if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Great way to grow the channel, grow the podcast. And if you're listening on the myriad of ways you can listen to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, and plenty of others. Hit that subscribe button and on the Apple Podcast, leave a five-star review. Another way to help us grow the show. Now, diving into things here, uh, I'm going to go over this similar to what I did with the uh, America East last week, where uh go over my projected conference standings, uh, final standings, and then we'll go kind of backwards um, in, in terms of looking at each of these teams. And with some of these lower-end teams, uh, we're not going to spend too, too much time talking about them, but we'll certainly hit on some of these bigger uh, names in the conference uh, for sure and dive into them a little deeper. So, uh, my projected final standings for the Atlantic Sun are as followed. Number one, Jacksonville. Number two, Utah. Number three, Air Force. Oh, sorry, number three, Robert Morris. Number four, Air Force. Number five, Bellarmine. Number six, Mercer. Number seven, Cleveland State. Detroit Mercy at eight. Lindenwood at nine. And Queens at ten. Now, that kind of bottom tier, I think, could shake out many different ways, especially with Lindenwood and Queens. Uh, they are the two teams coming into the Division One ranks as well as into the Atlantic Sun. It's going to be very interesting to see, especially against uh, the league competition, what these teams do. Uh, there are some challenging uh, non-conference games on the schedules of both of these teams. Um it's going to be interesting to see how well they progress as Division One teams and how fast 
they can, uh, you know, acclimate to the Division One landscape. Both of these programs have had a lot of success at the Division Two level. We've seen teams jump from Division Two to Division One and have success. Uh, very recently, LIU, uh, the, probably the best example of that. Uh, Merrimack, a Division Two jumper, recently as well that has not had uh, as as much success um, as the Sharks, but uh, has certainly you know seen some progress there and it was a great D2 program with two national titles. Bryant did the same thing uh, back in the uh, late 2000s and has certainly been kind of the, um, the blueprint for a lot of teams making that jump uh, with the success that the Bulldogs have had in the NEC and on the national stage, suddenly 2011 it was, 2012, when they upset Syracuse being the, uh, you know, kind of high watermark of that uh, Bulldogs program or the highlight of their time as a Division One since making the jump. So we've seen a number of teams, a number of programs jump from the Division Two ranks to the Division One ranks and have success. Lindenwood, Queens looking to be those next teams to do so. We'll see how they shake out here in 2023. Now, when you go over uh, you know, kind of up, up this list here, Detroit Mercy. Uh, look, the, the Titans have not had the most success as of recent, uh, but they are a program that when they were in the MAC was you know, fighting for conference titles. Um, really there for a couple of years, uh, 2016, 17, 18, had some really good teams there. They've had some weird, um, you know, things around the program as of late. You know, last year they could not play at their home field. They had to practice and play out of high school because their field was getting, the home stadium was getting renovated. They're back there now, hopefully kind of getting that stability and, and not having to drive a mile or so, however long it was, to and from practice and, and games. Hopefully that injects some um, some promise, some you know, hope into this, into this program as they want to climb back up and certainly a program that, in the Atlantic Sun very much could have success uh, and be fighting for a spot in the A-Sun title every single year. We've seen them do it in the MAC. We've seen them have success, uh, you know, as they've risen as a, as a program since its inception back in the 2010s. So, uh, you know, Detroit mostly a, a team that I'm kind of watching uh, really have a, a lot of questions about a lot of the personnel and, and they weren't necessarily that good last year. I think we're going to see a lot of young guys, step up there for the Titans. But, uh, you know, Coach Cohen's done a, a pretty good job and has had some good teams there. So we'll see how they move here in 2023. And I think certainly having some more stability than, than, than they've had the past couple of seasons uh, will certainly help this program uh, get back on track and get to where they want to be. Now, moving up here once more to Cleveland State, uh, this is a program I actually think is is, is one to watch you in the A-Sun. Uh, when you look at what they did last year, and, I mean, they had some some pretty uh, close games. They had some close losses um, and, and gave teams like Air Force uh, a, a pretty good challenge at times. 
so I think when you look at, at a lot of these young guys, they returned. Gannon Matthews was the ace on freshman of the year last year. He returns there as a midfielder um, among many other young guys who I think we're going to see step up here for Cleveland State in 2023. And I think if, if, if they do kind of put this thing together, they could be fighting for a spot there in the ASUN tournament. And I should mention, I meant to mention this at the top, but the ASUN tournament has expanded with the expansion of the league. They've expanded the tournament. So we're going to get a quarterfinal Tuesday, a semifinal Thursday, and a championship Saturday in the Atlantic Sun. So uh, when you're looking at these teams, Detroit, uh, Detroit mostly, Cleveland State, Moso, who we'll talk about here in a second. Like, we're going to see if one of these teams, you know, these teams will be fighting for the tournament. They weren't last year. They were out of the picture. They're going to be fighting for a tournament spot this year and could possibly, like we've seen in some other conferences, um, you know, that have the, the, the quarterfinals, uh, could possibly create some chaos here in the postseason in the Atlantic Sun here in 2023 with the expanded tournament, getting more teams in. We'll see how things go, um, you know, especially this season in that first year. And when you do have some teams like a Cleveland State, like a Detroit Mercy that do have uh, so many you know, young guys that you're expecting to step up there and see what they can do in May is going to be interesting. Shall they get there? Mosa, the next team to go over here, Obviously, a new head coach there and Ryan Danahy, and you know, done a great job as an assistant at multiple stops, most recently at Bucknell as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, really, really, really like the hire that most have made there. And I think they are on their way up. And we saw some improvement there from Chad Sermon. We've seen some improvement from Mosa over the past couple of seasons. Uh, injuries have hurt them a, a, a bit here last year in the year before. So when you look at some of the guys, some of the key guys, Sean Goldsmith, who is now at North Carolina as a grad transfer, he was injured a big chunk of the year in 2021. Ashton Wood, the top face-off man, arguably the best face-off man in the A-Sun, he was out for a bit of time last year as well. I think if this Moso team can stay healthy, and especially with a guy like Ashton Wood there, and they have some questions on the offensive end. They have some holes to fill also on the defensive end as well. So they've got some pieces back that I like, and, and Ashton Wood is the most notable of those. And I think if they can keep these guys healthy, this is a Moso team that could, uh, you know, make the tournament and could, again, be one of those teams that possibly creates some chaos as we look at the expanded tournament in the Atlantic Sun. Now, the team that, you know, is for me, I, I have my eye on the most here in the A-Sun is Bellarmine. I have them finishing as the fifth best team in the conference. I think that's probably where they should be right now. Uh, fourth year under Andy Whitley, we've seen a lot of growth from Bellarmine over the past three seasons. They gave Utah a fight both times they faced them last year and obviously lost in overtime in the ASUN semifinals to Utah in the tournament down there in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, excuse me, Huntsville, Alabama. This is tournament now here in, in Moon Township, PA at Robert Morris this, uh, this May, 
it will be. So Bellman, a, a team that we've seen really kind of poke the bail at times here um, the past couple of seasons. And I, I think they're going to be a team that's going to win some games that might surprise you. Um, and a lot of the games were close games last year. They had five, six, or seven games that really um, could have gone either way last year. The, the, the Knights did. So I, I think when you look at what they have coming back, Brady Long at, at close, J.C. Higginbotham in cage. Yes, there is no John Robbins. There is no Eric Ruback. Uh, but a guy like Brady Long could be a possible ace on defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, p- potential winner there, a-, a phenomenal freshman campaign that he had, and he's only going to get better on the back end there. Kyle Playstead, Benny Ovalk, Christian Delarocco, they've got a-, a strong group of talented offensive players and a lot of young guys that have been in that mix as well that we're going to see step up here in 2023. And then, look, Aiden Fone, Cole Messick at the faceoff dot. Bellarmine for use, we've said, they're at the bottom of, of, of the country in faceoffs. That's been the case for quite some time. They saw a real improvement there last season, still were under the 50% mark. And but I think they moved up, I think was it 16 or 17 spots in terms of the team faceoff success ranking. So we've seen Bellman move up in many categories. This defense, I think, is still gonna be pretty good when you have a guy like Higginbotham. In cage, you also have Dante Batista, a very, very strong backup there as well. This is a, a, a Bellman team that's kind of been built on its defenses, and, and it's it's kind of gone as its defenses have gone the past couple of seasons. You also have guys like Harrison Pate there at the defensive midfield spot who've been very good over the past couple of seasons, think the D-mid spot going to be one where they thrive in again here in 2023. So Bellman, a team... I like their defense, what they have, even without John Robbins. And then I think the offense is one where there's a lot of potential there when you look at the number of guys that they have that have contributed over the past couple of seasons, uh, plus Kyle Playstead there as kind of the quarterback, the leader of that offense. We'll see how this Bellman team does here in 2023, but certainly a squad that I think could beat some teams they're not supposed to beat, but also could probably, you know, lose some games or be in some games that they probably shouldn't, uh, you, you know, be that close in. So uh, we'll see how this this Bellman team goes. I think it can go many different ways even in 2023. But if they uh, if they play their cards right, get their ducks in a row, this is a team that, that could surprise a lot of people in the A-Sun here in 2023. Air Force is the team I have finishing fourth in the A-Sun this year, and two names you need to know for Air Force, Jason Rose and Brandon Dodd. Jason Rose, the goalie there for the Falcons, has really been the catalyst, the cornerstone of this defense the past couple of seasons. They have some losses there on the back end. I'll be interested to see how they fill out that close defense unit, but Air Force, always a good defense, usually uh, can re- no, repeal, replace these defenses just as much as any other uh, service academy can and just as good as any other program in the country. They had a big jump defensively last season in terms of their production after having a down year in 2021. 
And this is a, a, a Nova Falls defense that's been a top 20, top 15 unit practically every single year for the past uh, seven or eight years. So this is a Air Force defense that has been consistent no matter who's there. And without Jason Rose and Cage, you especially have confidence in that Falcons defense with him there. Um, and he had some unbelievable games last season. Expect him to continue that here in 2023. Um, and Brendan Dodd. And this is this is my question for Air Force. Like I I, I think the the faceoffs the faceoff can continue to improve. Um, we'll be interested to see who replaces uh, Brian Michael there. Uh, but I, I think they can improve there, and I think they can get you know what they need there. I think defensively, even at the D mid spot where I thought they were a little um, thin or, or maybe not as good at times last season, I think they can improve there. I think the defense can do uh, what it did last year and be a top 20, top 25 unit. Offensively, though, offensively, Brandon Dodd is, is the guy. He's the guy. He's quarterback of this offense. The ball is in his stick 90, 95% of the time. That became an issue at times last year where not that he was, not that the ball was dying in his stick, but that he was having to create so much that the offense kind of stagnated at times with that. So I'm interested to see with Air Force, how can they build out this offense? Can they get those guys around Brandon Dodd that they need to have the success that they need to have? Um, there were multiple younger guys who stepped up late last season and did showcase that. And we saw the ball movement get better. And we especially saw, if you go back and watch, the uh the the Asun uh, semifinals game against Robert Morris. We saw that wasn't a high scoring game, but we saw that there, and we saw some games throughout the year where Air Force's offense put it together as a unit and was not just give Brandon Dodd the ball, let him go. Um, I'll be interested to see the kind of approach they take there offensively this year and how they can improve improve. Uh, in terms of the depth on that end and, and maybe taking a little more of the weight off of Brandon Dodd. Uh, Robert Morris, I have the defending champions finishing third in the A-Sun here in 2023. Taggart Clark is back. Bo Columbus is back at the faceoff. Columbus coming in there as a transfer from Mercy Host last season. And he's a guy who really, um, you know, stood out and, and, and was one of the top transfers, you could say, in college across in terms of the impact that he had on this Robert Morris program and uh, really improving the face-off dot, the face-off situation, which hadn't particularly been a phenomenal spot for them over the past couple of seasons. Now, when you look at the uh, offense, right, Corson Keeley gone, Jake Boudreau gone, Dan uh, Tato gone. We saw them lose uh, more impactful players, I would say, in, in Ryan Smith and Jimmy Perkins, those guys, like heading into last year. And you had a tag of Clark step, step up. You had a number of guys step up. I think that is the – think that is the case again this year, but they don't have as – like, I don't feel like they have as many question marks offensively with some of these younger guys that we did see step up 
last season, right? Uh, when and especially with a guy like Taggart Clark and seeing what RMU has done over the years offensively and just churning out great players after great players. We'll see how RMU does here in 2023, but I'm, I, I, I am predicting that this offense is going to still be pretty good here, even when you look at you know, a, a Jake Baudreau type player gone. So, uh, Tyler Clark going to be the leader of this offense once again, and, and pretty confident that they can do very well. Uh, defensively, this was a, a kind of a unique situation last year that they had where Liam Rosenthal, Nate Randall, guys, you know, they, they really had three goalies that got playing time. Um, and, you know, the goalie situation last year, and, and looking at my notes here, Nate Randall, you know, started games, played mostly the first half. He's back, and, and you have to think he's probably um, the starter. He was a freshman last year. And then you had, you know, and that system was in place from March 16th, that Marquette game through the NCAA play-in game against Delaware. Like, they had Nate Randall start the first half, and then Liam Rosenthal, um, that's me, uh, uh, Savick, Ben Savick would play the second half. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this how this works out. Liam Rosenthal also saw time last year as well. I'm interested to see what this goalie situation is. It was it was a unique one last year where they had a first half goalie, second half goalie. Um, guy that come in on the, the, the man up situation uh, to be man down. So, I you know they've got a lot of options. They they, they have a lot of options there as well. Uh, Kyle Wiener coming in uh, a, a transfer as well. So, you know it, it, it's going to be interesting. I I like James Leary, the LSM they have there, one of my favorite players in the A Sun, uh, one of the most underrated polls, I think, in the country. And I know that that term underrated is thrown around too much in lacrosse, but but really, w- when you look at what he's done throughout his career, has been consistent, has been very good for this RMU program, and has been part of this defense improving uh, very much so over the past couple of seasons. So RMU, I, I think, we're, and, and look, we, we've seen the consistency with this program. I think we're going to continue to see it here in 2023, where, where they just continually are good. Uh, no matter who's there, and, and they have a system in place that, um, you know, last year under Coach McDonald, his first year seemed to kind of keep in there with a lot of these two-way um, midfielders and all of that. So we'll see how RMU does here in 23. I think they're still going to be pretty dang good, no matter who's out there. Uh, it's just kind of what they've done over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Utah, Utah, I I, I think there's two teams that stand out among the rest in this league, and, and it's for sure Jacksonville and Utah. And, and we'll start talking about Utah here right now. So they are coming off a year in which they went undefeated in a sun play in the regular season. They fell to Robert Morris in the a sun title game. Utah, I think, is coming back this year saying we should have had that last year. And coming into the year, out to Utah as a team that was potentially going to win the ASA. And they almost did. They were just as good, if not better, than I thought they were going to be. And when you look at a guy, Samuel Kambur, come back, the headliner of this defense, 
Cole Bram's back as the faceoff man. Tyler Bradbury, uh, MJ McMahon, Jordan Hyde back on attack uh, on the offensive end. They've got a lot of talent, and they've got a just wealth of midfielders, a wealth of midfielders that they can run defense, offense, wings. Like they've got guys running everywhere. Uh, Andrew McMinn has brought that system from Robert Morris out west to Utah. And this, this team took to it very well last season. Sammy Cambrera, guy I mentioned, took to that very well as an LSM, as a guy that can make an impact in transition. The goalie situation, Zion DiSinecha is gone. What's the goalie situation going to look like? For me, that is the only really area where I have some questions with Utah. Other than that, the, the, the style they play is extremely fun. The uh, talent they have on offense with, you know, Bradbury and Hyde and those guys is phenomenal. The uh, transition impact they get from a guy like Samuel Cabrera, who's also a phenomenal defender, can put the ball on the carpet like no one else in the conference. Like, this is a, a team that at many times looked kind of complete last year. And, you know, they couldn't get it done in the A-Sun title game. They did beat Jacksonville, though which I think is notable given Jacksonville is probably the favorite coming in the season here in the A-Sun with as much talent as they get back. This is a Utah team I think is coming into this season with, uh, you know, they've got a mission, they want to accomplish it, and they definitely have the talent to do so. Um, and, and, and I would not be surprised. I know there's a lot of attention on Jacksonville, but Utah is a top 20 team just as much as Jacksonville is. I would not be surprised if it is Utah who comes out on top here in the A-Sun in 2023. I certainly, and I guess we're on the Dolphins right now, but I will take, I mean, I'll take the Dolphins as, as, the, as the champs. I think they're the most talented roster in the league, but Utah is right there behind them, if not neck and neck with the Dolphins, even with the additions of Dylan Watson and Brandon, Brandon Galloway at the attack spot, at the midfield spot. Those two pieces, Cole Danager also coming in, a short-stick defensive midfielder from Rutgers. You get Watson from Georgetown, Galloway from UMBC, Danager from Rutgers. That is one heck of a transfer haul that the Dolphins have gotten. And you look at Watson in, in particular, you've already got Max Waldbaum back, NTLE uh, um, back. Griner back. This is a attack line that produced to get like over 200 points last season. This is an extremely productive attack line. It's going to be interesting to see who they put where. Um, because look, you're not going to have Waldom and Cherry, Watson, Griner. They can't all play attack. They're not all going to stack up their attack. I think they'll, you want all those guys on the field at once. But with Watson coming in, especially in the way that he can play as an off-ball finisher, the way that he played at Georgetown and, you know, the Big East attackman of the year coming to Jacksonville as a grad transfer, that is huge. That's a huge gift for John Galloway and this Jacksonville program. This offense, I wrote about it multiple times this offseason, is going to be dangerous. This is going to be, again, the you know, best offense in its conference. This is, again, going to be a top five, top ten offense 
in college lacrosse in terms of its production and the talent they have on that roster, uh, especially on the offensive end, to get it done is absolutely insane. Now, they have some question marks at the midfield. They lose guys like Jeremy Winston, but getting a guy like Brandon Galloway in there, did not play much last season at UMBC, left the team uh, midseason, had a phenomenal year in 2021 for the Retrievers. So uh, it, we know what he can do at the Division One level. This is going to be an insane insane, insane Jacksonville offense that is going to be tough for any defense to stop, and, and they've got multiple opportunities to showcase just how good they are. Uh, Hopkins, Duke on the schedule early in the season. Uh, they're just like last year. They opened the season with Hopkins uh, at Jacksonville, so that is a, you know, obviously one of the games to watch during the early portion of the season, and we're going to get to see right there how dangerous this Jacksonville offense is, and I think it's just going to get better as the season goes on, as they get those guys worked into the midfield where they do have some question marks, have some holes to fill. Now, Nathan Cap is also back at the uh, face-off spot, and I mentioned Danager there at the defensive midfield spot, and then you also have Troy Hedinger back at the D-mid spot as well. Face-off, D-mid, very confident in what this Jacksonville team has at those positions as well. Also, Luke Milken back at the goalie position. Extremely confident in him. He's the best goalie in the A-Sun by far. 58% save percentage last year. Cap 52% at the faceoff. Specialist positions showed up phenomenal. The D-mid unit with Deniger. Uh, coming in to join Hedinger, who was, and this is a D-mid unit. We saw a number of guys who were on there last year, Hedinger being the uh, you know top option there uh, coming back after last season. So phenomenal what they have there talent-wise also. The one area I, I do question is you lose a guy like Jack Heed and some others there at the defensive, uh, at the close defense spot how Jacksonville fills out that close defense unit is going to be interesting. They've got a number of polls uh, that are coming back that kind of were in the rotation, played that kind of secondary or, you know, third LSM uh, role last season. We'll see how these guys step in there. Uh, some younger guys could possibly see there uh, at the position as well. So we'll, we'll see how the close defense kind of develops and comes together, but Outside of that, I don't have many questions. I don't have many concerns about this Jacksonville team. It is the most talented roster in the Atlantic Sun, uh, just looking at it on paper by far. However, as we saw last year with a team like Utah, you got to show it because this is a league that, when you look at it, might look a, a little chalky. Might seem, you might look at this and say, Jacksonville, Utah, Air Force, Robert Morris, your top four teams right there. But as he mentioned, a Bellarmine, a Cleveland State, Detroit Mercy, heck, even a Lindenwood or a Queens, um, you know, coming in, Mercer as well. Like these are all good teams, and we saw some games last year that were a bit closer than they probably should have been in the A Sun. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this league plays out here. It's second year back on the men's lacrosse landscape in Division One. It's expanded league here with 10 as we have those new teams come into the league 
as well. So uh, Jacksonville, top team, I think, by and away. Uh, you know, Utah, I think, is right there on their heels, though, when you're looking at the top teams here in the A-Sun. But again, Air Force, Robert Morris, Bellarmine, right there behind them as well, and I think can challenge anyone as well as a lot of those lower teams that I just mentioned a, a bit earlier. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch the show on YouTube at Lacrosse Bucket as well. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.